Let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The heights of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Heavy heart can be with you. As we see ourselves in you, your name alone is glorified as we are edified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, good. Let's study the churchless Christian. Let's, let's look at that. The churchless Christian. Um, I just um, want to exalt us this evening on the churchless Christian. Psalm 68, the 6. I just hope you can hear me quite okay. Right? Can everybody hear me? Right. Okay, good. Psalm 68, verse 6, the churchless Christian. I just have an exhortation for us on that this evening. The churchless Christian. Psalm 68, verse 6. It says... God seeth, God seeth the solitary in families. It bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So he said he set it out, he set it the solitary in families. Because David was speaking here and he spoke of the church of Christ here, that is the local church, and he was saying that God seeth the solitary in family, that is, a believer who is born of the Spirit cannot be isolated. He belongs to a family. Are you getting what I'm saying? When we receive the life of Christ as salvation, we were born again to be in a family. So that is, we have been blessed by the fulfillment of this. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been blessed by the fulfillment of this. That is, so... When so, once we see believers who are not in that space of trying to gather with people, they are living in, let me say, let me call it like a solitary confinement because God set us as believers into the family. Like I said, this is just an exhortation and we're just going to look at some few things to, this evening. So when I see um, some immature believers you you find out that a lot of immature believers today they're just speaking low of the local church and now today because of technology and maybe because of covid we now can find people sit on their toilet seats and hold their phone and say they went to service on a sunday that's that's not a service you only stream the service you were not in the service hallelujah so we we find we've had we, we're not having all of those issues now and you find Christians telling you I don't want to go to church I don't want to fellowship with believers anymore I don't want to gather with people anymore I know there are Christians there they're gathering they're looking at the Bible they're studying the Bible but I don't want to do that anymore I just want to I, I can just train things now on my phone okay so now let's imagine there is no phone anymore what are we going to do? What There was a time WhatsApp crashed, right? I don't know if you remember that time. WhatsApp crashed and we couldn't log in on WhatsApp for almost quite some hours, about five hours, six hours. There was a time Instagram was down. We couldn't use Instagram for close to 12 hours. Now, so imagine you have built your entire life on Instagram service. Now, we now have 
And I don't know how much you're conversant with most of these things. We have people now who do service early in the morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And everybody watches the service and all they're just doing is saying, Amen, 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 Hallelujah. Once you're done, you say, I'm done with service today. I attended church. No, you didn't. No. You just sat down, covered up yourself with a blanket, put your phone, just like you were watching a movie. <laughs> you know, it's like saying, you know, when you watch a movie, right, Black Panther is out. I've not seen it. I, I mean, if you have seen it, I've not seen it now. But uh, can you say you were in the movie? Can you say you were in the movie? You can only say you watched the movie, right? So now, if you, see, if you watch a service, can you say you were there? Are you getting what I'm saying? So we only stream service. So like I said, this exhortation is called the churchless Christian. And there is a sheer contempt based on imperfections that is, is rather hypocritical. A lot of people say, okay, I don't want to join churches because no church is perfect. Everybody is not perfect. As far as we are human beings, we are never going to be perfect. We are only striving to be perfect. Are you getting what I'm saying? So a church is a gathering of imperfect people coming together. Just like we've come together this afternoon, we are all, we all have our flaws, right? We have something we are struggling with. We have our weaknesses. But the Lord has told us to come together, not to be in that solitary confinement. So, Jesus as is gathering. So, Jesus as members in his local church, the 12 disciples who were not perfect. Judas was one of the 12. And Judas was a thief. He wasn't perfect, but yet, Jesus knew and he was still part of them. Hallelujah. So, we have all of those things. So, most of Jesus' teaching was done in the congregation more than individuals. He never, Jesus never encouraged solitariness. Jesus never encouraged that solitary confinement that I'm just alone streaming something. Jesus never condoned such an attitude. Jesus made sure that he fought people in a gathering. You will see Jesus in the scene synagogue you will see the disciples going also to the temple to worship so he never so when he was to begin his ministry when jesus was to begin his ministry he picked a team among those folks we unstable people dishonest people unfaithful people we have somebody like matthew mark luke and john they were scared they, they picked up their the fishes in the net and they did and jesus told them you're going to start catching men you know we have thomas the doubter among them, you know, we have Philip who was still asking questions in John 14 saying, Jesus, will you show us the way again? So we have all of those individuals in Jesus' church, yet they were still together. Jesus never castigated them away. You know, we now live in a world where, I mean, if you have heard people say, I don't want to go to church anymore because they offended me in church. I mean, if you've heard people say things like that, because they offended me in church, I just feel like people are going to offend you. Jesus is just walking through men in church. We are all human beings in church. Are you getting what I'm saying? So men are going to step on your toes. Men are going to touch you. Men are going to offend you. But yet you're still going to be in church. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? So, yet, Jesus, when he met them regularly, they had fellowship among the disciples. Even when he rose from the dead, he appeared to the congregations more than an individual. Look at Act 1. Act 1, verse 3 to 4. 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 It says, to whom also he showed himself. Are we there? Are we there? All right, cool. It says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking certain things of the kingdom of God. So he says, he showed himself of many infallible proofs, being seen of them, not seen of one. Are you seeing it? So that shows a lot of people saw him, even upon the resurrection, they saw him. In verse 4, it says, and being assembled together, they had to gather again upon the resurrection. Together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, they should wait on the promise of the Father, and they said, you have heard of me. So we can safely say the 120 people who spoke in tongues in Acts 2 were those Jesus was telling them to assemble, who Jesus was assembling together here. Yeah. So, Paul also took note of this salient fact upon redemption. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Because now we live in a world where we have to correct certain things and we just have to be careful. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7. And that it was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that it was seen above 500 brethren, so that means when Jesus rose from the dead, it was seen of Cephas. Cephas is Peter here. And it was seen of the twelve, the twelve disciples. It was seen above 500 brethren at once, not individually. So that means 500 people were assembled together and he showed himself to them. And of whom the greater part remain until this present and some are falling asleep. So the entire book of Acts, you will see we witnesses of his resurrection that is there was more emphasis on we rather than me there was more emphasis on the old church rather than a, rather than a specific individual there was more emphasis on a collective gathering rather than a specific individual because upon the resurrection the promise of the spirit has been given to this instant the promise of the spirit has been given to this intent so that we can gather together and fellowship together. Look at in Acts 2 verse 1 to 2. Acts 2 verse 1 to 2. Acts 2 verse 1 to 2. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. So that means all of them were in one accord, with one place. They were not all gathered in a WhatsApp group. Hallelujah. They were not all gathered on a Facebook live stream. Hallelujah. They were not all gathered on a Instagram live stream. Now, the, the, the training one now is TikTok. I think they even do live stream on TikTok now, right? Right? I think, right. Maybe, well, I mean, <laughs> what a world we live in now, <laughs> you know. So, they were not gathered on that. You know, if they were gathered online, they wouldn't have had this experience. Look at the kind of supernatural experience they had. 
It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. Look at in verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Do you know this is because believers gathered? Do you know we can't have this experience online? We can't have this spectacular, supernatural experience without a physical fellowship of the believers. I don't know about you, but I want to have more supernatural experiences. How many of you want to have those things? We have to gather. Miracles happen when people gather together. In Acts 12, the church were praying for Peter and they saw the miracle, walked right in their front. Peter knocked the door. Hallelujah. You know, well, that's a miracle. He says, they gathered together on the day of Pentecost and they prayed. Not a WhatsApp group, right? Not an Instagram group or an Instagram live video, a Facebook live stream or YouTube now. Not that they picked their phone. So now, let's, like I said before, let's imagine there was no internet shutdown, you know, AT&T, Verizon, um, T-Mobile just decided that for one month we are reworking on our network. So, guys, um, only our calling services will be available. So, you'll just be able to call your friends, but we cannot, and there's a limit, so you cannot even stay on the call and join a service. <laughs> what is going to be the faith of many believers? Have you ever wondered that? Now, somebody will say, oh, but the COVID happened. Yes, that's what the devil was trying to do. The devil was trying to break the fellowship of believers. Are you getting what I'm saying? But now the COVID is over. Now believers should return back to church. Are you getting what I'm saying? The, the devil was only trying to break that relationship, that fellowship, that communication, make people feel comfortable in their houses. But now it is over. Can we now return back to church and fellowship? So, a good Bible student, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Malachi or Genesis to Revelation, you will find out that there was an essential part of the gathering of believers together. There was an essential part of it. That is why the term church in the entire book of Acts was used for a local church. That is, it has a practical real-life example. Look at Acts 4 verse 23. Acts 4 verse 23. Acts 4 verse 23. And being let go, they went, in, they went to their own company and reported all that the priests and elders had said to them. They went to their company and reported all that the priests and elders had said to them. So he called it their own company. So as believers, if you are going through tests and trials, you are going through problems, you are going through issues of life, do you have a company of people who will gather together and pray for you? Or you're just going to just be talking about it and just keep wishing? It says, look at, what the, look at it in verse 23, heart 4. Let's read it together. It says, let's, let's go, once you ready, go. And being let go together, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, what did the chief priests and elders say to them? They were persecuting them. They were trying to stop them from preaching the gospel. They were trying to um, do some certain evil to them. And they came back to their church 
and told them. Look at what look at what happened in verse 29. Look at what happened. It says, And now, Lord, grant their threatenings and grant unto their servant boldness. That with all boldness they might speak their word. Look at verse 30. By stretching forth their hands to heal, and signs and wonders may be done in the name of their holy child Jesus. In verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking. And they were, look at, look at the emphasis. They were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And spake the word with boldness. So can we say the company of people strengthened them. The company they had was enough to get them together. Was enough to get them to pray. Was enough to get them strengthened, right? Can we say that? Was enough to get them working actively with God. So now, if I ask you a question, when you are going through a problem, when you are going through, because we are human beings, we are definitely going to go through problems. We don't pray for it, but it's definitely going to happen. As far as we are still humans, it is part of human to go through issues, to go through life challenges, to go through everything. If you have not gone through challenges, anticipate for one. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? So it's normal. So who are you going to resort to? You're going to resort to strategies, just thinking? How about coming to people who can tell you, I believe God. Let's just pray together. How about that? You know, how about having a group of people who, we, who you study the word together, who say, oh, I listened to that message, listening to this is going to stir up your faith. How about a group of people, when you can't pray, you just go to a prayer meeting, right? And your prayer life is jacked back to normal. How about when you can't study the Bible, you can't open, you're just weak, you're just weak, you're just, you're just down. And because you came to church, your study life is revitalized. How about something like that? You know, so there is that fellowship of believers that we must not joke with. Tell your neighbor, say, there is that fellowship of believers. You're not sounding like you mean it. There is that fellowship of the, that we must not joke with. Hallelujah. So there is that fellowship of believers we must not joke with. Look at Saul of Tarsus. Paul, when he was saved, there was a vital aspect of his life that immediately he was saved, he, he was among the company of believers. Immediately. Look at Acts 9. So that is, when we get a man saved, we don't leave him alone. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't leave a man alone. So when you preach the gospel, get men saved across the school campus, across your city, you get them to church. You don't leave them alone and say, praise God, I will see you in heaven. No. Look at what happened in Acts 9 verse 19. So this was Paul or Saul of Tarsus here who just received the gospel in verse 19. It says, and when he has received meat, he was strengthened. Then Saul, certain days with the disciples, we are at Damascus. You know, now, he was somebody who was breathing threatenings, bringing threatenings to Christians now. Now he is saved and is now with disciples. You know what that is doing for him? He's strengthening him. He's making him know what Christianity is all about, right? Knowing what the faith is all about. He is being energized about his new faith. So as believers, he was, we can't be a lone ranger. Tell your neighbor, say, you can't be a lone ranger. You're not sounding like you mean it. Face another person and say, you can't be a lone ranger. 
You can't. Because we live in this world, in the United States, where a lot of people just want to be on their own. Don't, I just want to mind my business. Right? I mean, if you know that's, that's kind of a culture in, in the United States. Just want to mind my business. I face my family. I talk to my dog, and I'm good. <laughs> and I'm good, you know. I stream my service online. I don't go out on Saturdays. I don't. I just go to Walmart, and they are very fixed on when they get to Walmart. They don't even smile with the, um, with the cashier or anything. They just speak whatever they want. Scan it. Thank you, and they go till Monday morning at work. They see their boss. Good morning, and they get to their computer again, type again, and when they are finished, they greet the person that says, thank you, bye, and they go again till Saturday again in Walmart. You know. And no service, you can't live life that way. Hallelujah. You can't live life that way. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can't live life that way. So he was not a lone ranger. So all the apostolic letters were written to local churches. That's why you see all the apostolic letters were written to local churches. That's why you see the letter to Rome. That's a church. The church of Romans. That's a church. The church of Corinth. Philippi. Ephesus. Thessalonica. Are you seeing that? Colossae, they were letters written to churches. So no one was isolated. So that shows there was a strong emphasis in the scriptures as touching believers gathering together. There is a strong emphasis. So we can safely say from the 12 disciples and the four gospels, right? Then to the book of Acts where they were gathering. Then persecution came in Acts 6. Then Philip went down to Samaria, gathered another church in Samaria. Gradually, gradually, we had the church of Rome, right? We had the Corinth, we had Thessalonica, we had Philippi. We had all of those churches. Even in Revelations, there was a letter written to the seven churches. Are you seeing it? So there was never a time. Believers were meant to be alone. So tell your neighbor, say, there was never a time you were meant to be alone. You're not sounding like you mean. There was never a time you were meant to be alone. So there was never a time. You need that company. You need that company of believers. You need a church. You need that fellowship. And it can be done online. How do you pray online? You know, I was in a WhatsApp group some years ago and they called it a prayer WhatsApp group. And they led a prayer on the WhatsApp group and men were typing in tongues. I said, God, my Lord, oh my God. I said, this is not prayer. This is not prayer. We had to pray. People opened their mouths to pray, not to type prayer. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you have friends who are just texting you and say, we are praying for you. Is it, and the person is about to sleep. The person is about to sleep. Say, I'm praying for you. And, and you know, how many of you have done it for somebody before? You say, I'm praying for you. And you're about to cover up your blanket. How <laughs> many of you have done that before? Please lift your hands. Let's, 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 let's be sincere. I've done it before too. Uh, you see, so now, imagine you are all together. You know, you will pray, Right? That is what Hartford was telling us. They went to their company and what happened? They were praying. Hallelujah. So when light challenges hit us at the face, we have people we can only, I can always come to Brother Lemo here and say, Brother Lemo, join me in prayer. Or just like our sister, I met our sister, she said a sister was leading us in prayer when we came in. And she said, let's just pray about this. Hi, about, let's just pray about our coming outreaches that more men are going to be saved. 
How about that? That we have utterances and boldness to reach more men and we go as a local church to reach people. How about that? So we need that fellowship of believers. Tell your neighbor, say, we need that fellowship of believers. So look at, so those individual letters, and if you see those individual letters in the, in the book, in the, in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, were written to persons who were either led or were utmost service to their local church. An example would be Philemon. Philemon was a member of the church in Colossae. Titus was somebody who was an associate of Paul. He was a minister of the gospel. Timothy was a minister of the gospel. So when you see the individual letters, you will find that they were a major role or key players in the local church. So that is why we can pick up their letters today and read those letters and it's still blessing the body of Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? You read Timothy. Timothy, Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy was an associate, a good associate of Paul, who was a preacher. He was actually the pastor of Ephesus. Now, so if you read all of those things, you will see that there was a central focus on the local church. So that shows, as believers, we can't practice our Christianity effectively without a local church. We can't. So you can't be effective as a believer without a local church. You can't. So Philemon wasn't a loose cannon on social media. It wasn't everybody jumping on every, every article on social media and responding. You know, there are some, there are some bullies on, I don't know if you, on, on Twitter here. Yeah. I don't know if you're on Twitter. I don't know if you know that Twitter is not for the weak. <laughs> it's, for the, it's for the strong-hearted people. You know, look at it in Philemon 1 verse 2. Philemon 1 verse 2, it says, are we there? I'll wait for you. Philemon 1 verse 2. Are you, are you enjoying this? Are you learning something? All right. Look at Philemon 1 verse 2. It says, and to our beloved Apia and Achipos, our fellow soldiers, and to the church in what? In thy house. So he was writing to these guys, to the church. Look at in verse 5. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. So I can say to Bro Holymo now, I can write to him from New York, because I live in New York. I can write to him from New York and say, Bro Holymo in not dream, right? And to the church in not dream, right? Because there is a center focus, right, in the local church. Is it making sense? Yeah. So, Philemon, was it just a loose cannon on social media who just, or somebody who just writes, you know, there's some people who can write articles, they know how to write memes, you know, no, not memes, all the short, short posts, but they don't have, they don't have any local church. They just say, hmm, God is beautiful. Everybody will just repost it. And ask them, what local church do you have there? None. They just tell you, Jesus is the centerpiece of life. You see, <laughs> you see, that poked my soul, <laughs> you know. So, he was not somebody like that. So, he had, Philemon was someone who had a local church. And the term, a church is a definite place, a local church where people gather, where people know you, where people can say, this brother is this person. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is a local church. That is why Paul used 
in his time over eight times in the church to the in the letter of the church to Corinth. Look at in First Corinthians fourteen. Verse 23, look at what Paul did in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. It says, if the whole church be come together in one place. Are you seeing it? So he used the whole church. Look at also in verse 26. I is it there, brethren? When you come together, every one of you. So that means there is an emphasis. So when we come together, do we come together on the WhatsApp group? That's not coming together. We don't come together on the Facebook live. We don't come together on an Instagram live or a TikTok live video, right? We come together in a physical place. Are you getting what I'm saying? I used an example of Wakanda or the Black Panther movie. You only watch the movie, but you were not in the movie, right? Same way you watch the service, but you were never in that service. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it's just that way. So when people come together, there is something available for believers. Look at 3 John verse 1 to 6. 3 John for verse 1 to 6. 3 John 1 verse 6. 3 John 1 verse 6. Or 3 John 6. <laughs> It says, are we there? All right. So it says, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. So the church could attest to what they are doing. It says they bore witness of their charity before the church. And these are vital truths. Who can attest and say, let's say you get to heaven today now. Who can attestify and say, this person was a Christian? This person had a prayer life. So when Jesus is judging you and saying, you didn't pray, who can say, ah, oh, no, uh, as we were both in the same prayer meeting? Who can do that for you? Who can vouch for you, your friend, just one person? The whole church doesn't know you? No. So even those, those letters we are available for communication of spiritual truths, it never changed the local church. We could teach you God's word right there. We could transmit it online. You can listen via podcast, you know, via, via Apple, you know, via all of those things, via Spotify. But it doesn't take away the fact that you still need to gather. Does it make sense? It doesn't take away that. So, being in the local church, being in the physical gathering, is very important. It's very important. So, it never changed the church from being a physical gathering to being a WhatsApp group. No. Or a, an online prayer meeting. I don't know how people do that. They say they're praying online on Zoom. And everybody's camera is off, and everybody's mic is muted, and people are praying. How do you do it? You know, when classes were on Zoom, most of you that took classes, some of you knew how you did, right? I don't know if you know what you did. <laughs> when classes were on Zoom, I don't know if you know what you did. Some of you turned off your mic, right? You turned off your camera, and you were doing something else. 
and once it was time for class to be over, you quickly sign attendance, right? <laughs> so you see that those things are never effective. How I many of you seen it? They are never, never effective. So why must we gather physically? Why exactly must we gather physically? It is God's will. It's that simple. Tell everybody say it is God's will that we gather physically. So what does the local church does? It provides accountability. It provides submission. You are accountable. Somebody can tell you, we can account over your spiritual growth. We can tell you, oh, you are growing spiritually. Oh, no, you're, you're not praying. You're not studying. You're not preaching the gospel to people. Oh, you're not doing this. And you're not going to get offended because we are only trying to help you to get better. Are you getting what I'm saying? It provides submission. You're submitted to authority. Your life is a proper check. You have somebody who is praying over your life, who is watching over you. You know, you have mutual fellowship with people. All of you are growing together, feeding on God's word. Sometimes you are confused. Sometimes you are getting it, you know. You all are growing together. It provides mutual fellowship. And above all, there is spiritual growth and development. So spiritual growth has been committed to men in these assemblies. So, you know, I tell people this. God only came down in Christ, right? God could have, I tell people, I said, could God have come down and just gather everybody together and say, everybody in the world, now gather, meet me in New York City. Madison Square Garden, everybody gather there. The entire New York gather in Madison Square Garden. Can God speak and give that announcement from heaven? He can, right? But he has chosen not to. So he works via men just like you. Gather, teach people, you know, provide submission and accountability to people. Look at what it says in Hebrews 13 verse 17. Let's open our Bibles there. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Hebrews 13 verse 17. We are looking at a churchless Christian. So you're going to ask your neighbor, are you churchless? You're not, you're not asking them. Uh, you trust me, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, what, I, I, don't, I think I want to title this to the churchless Christian, just like it's a letter to the current. So I'm writing this, I'm, I'm titling this message as Letter to the Churchless Christian. <laughs> All right. Look at verse 17, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that rule, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. You see that? For they watch for your souls so that they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So I'm going to ask you, or I'm going to ask, or you're going to ask your friend, who is going to give account for you on the last day? Ask your friend that question. Do you have somebody? No, it's a, it's a big question, right? I don't know if you know this is a big question. Look at what it says. Let's read it together. Let's, let's go. One, two, ready, go. Them that have the rule over you, yeah? Submit yourselves. So now, another question we can ask yourself now is, are you submitting yourself to a place? Submitting will require, you, you know how you submit your assignment? Your class teacher monitors your grades, your quids, you know? So they can monitor your prayer life, right? Right, guys? Guys, nobody's responding. You can monitor your study life, right? They can monitor your teaching life, your studying, your prayer, your outreach, preaching the gospel. Can we say that? So he said, submit yourselves to them. And are they God? They are who? They are men. 
Submit yourselves to them. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. For they do what? As they will do what? Uh, it says, they, is it, did he say they may give account? Did he say they shall give account? He said they must give account. So that shows on the last day, there's going to be somebody who is going to, who God is going to ask. Hey, what do you know about Bro Olim? I can say, oh, he's a good guy. Oh, he prays. He prayed one hour yesterday. Oh, yeah, he watched a match yesterday, USA, England. I know that. <laughs> we can say that, you know. So who is going to give account for your life? So are you seeing the local church? So, but a lot of believers, is it going to be done online? That's not going to be done online. That can't be done on WhatsApp group. That can't be done on TikTok. Hallelujah. So it says, they, they must give account. Look at what it now says. Let's read on, let's read on. They must give account. Let's read on. One, two, ready, go. With joy. For that is unprofitable for you. So are you that person in the local church who skips services? You only show up the first Sunday of the year. Then you come back the 31st to come and do crossover service. And you just say, all right, we'll see you again. You know, that's the record they're going to give. That's the record the person is going to say. Oh, this person is, um, this person is not consistent. Imagine telling God, somebody telling God about you as a, that person is not consistent. You know, <laughs> I don't know how is that good, that's going to be. I don't know, but that's going to be a bad thing. Yes, you're going to make heaven, but you know, <laughs> there's going to be heaven in the heaven. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So, as believers, they must give account for your lives. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 12. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? All right, look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. I miss Bro Cleveland. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. Oh, it's raptured in my Bible. All right, I get it. <laughs> okay, so it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. So can you do it alone? Are you seeing it? So why are some called pastors? Why are some called prophets? Why are some called evangelists? Why are some? It says for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of ministry. To the edifying of the body of Christ. So you cannot serve God on, alone. So that thing you say, my Lord and personal Savior, he is not personal to you. He is everyone's savior. Because you need men who will properly teach you God's word. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you find a churchless Christian, he is a proud person. When you find a churchless Christian, he is somebody who is not ready to listen to human beings like him. When you find a churchless Christian, you are finding an arrogant Christian. Can we say that? Because it says he gave some prophets, some pastors. For why? Why? Let's read it. Let's read it in verse 12. For the perfecting. So can we say for your perfecting? Can we say for your perfecting? I mean, if you get it, let me see your hands. If you get it to this point. All right, good. So for the perfecting of the saints, till you all come to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 14. That you henceforth no more be children. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You see people move to this place. They say, oh, there's a deliverance quarter there. They go there. They say that this, this year they go there. They, are, they don't have a stable Christian life. Why? Because they are not submitting themselves to a church. Are you seeing that? And that is a proud Christian. That is an arrogant Christian. Yes, I know you want to stream your service online, but that cannot help you. You need a company of believers that will help you. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you get back home, you can continue your streaming. You can fellowship with them physically. But once you are together, you need that company of people who can account and say, when you are in not dream, we see that you have a prayer life. When you are in not dream, we see that you are growing spiritually. When you are in not dream, we see that you are, you are growing effectively as a Christian. And when you get back to your Chicago, you can, continue your, 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 you can continue in that service. But a lot of believers miss the point. They want to continue with the streaming and continue everything. And you know that is not effective for you. You know. Because let me tell you the truth. It's except you are the one deceiving yourself. And a lot of Christians like to deceive themselves. They'll say they are praying. You ask them, are you praying? You know you have not prayed for one week. But you say, yes, I'm praying. Why? Because you are proud. You don't want anyone to check, put you in check. You know you've not dusted your Bible in, a, in one week. You only open your Bible when you come to church. Or when you want to argue. You know, a lot of people want to argue with Christians these days. You only open your Bible to quickly prove a point. No. Are you getting what I'm saying? So a Christian needs a local church. Tell your neighbor, say a Christian leads a local church. Tell your neighbor, say a Christian needs a pastor for your sake. Good. Look at Colossians 1 verse 28. Colossians 1 verse 28. We can start from verse 27. He says, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of his mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So that shows a preacher of the gospel must teach you the accuracy of the scriptures. So that they might present you perfect. Remember, they are the ones who are still going to give account of you tomorrow. Are you, are you seeing it? We saw that in Hebrews 13. So that means the message we preach is going to help you to present you and say, I taught them. I taught them prayer. In my local church, I can safely say, I taught them prayer. After tonight's service, I can safely say, I taught them to go to church. Right? I, can we say that? Uh-huh. So... Everybody is going to. I don't know if you have heard this statement before that you will not stand against you on the judgment day. I don't know if you have heard those statements before. I don't know if you have preachers say those statements before. Yeah, because those things are reminders. The Lord said, but you were in that service when they told you the churchless Christian, the letter to the churchless Christian. <laughs> so if you have any Christian who is churchless, give them this, this material. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it says, present you. That is, they will present you matured in Christ. And who is doing this? So the question will now be, who is doing this in your life? 
where is this going? Where is this taking place in your life? There must be a definite place. This all in not dream, right? We all we can say a building somewhere. Are you get to what I'm saying? With this definite leadership. Are you getting what I'm saying? To present you matured in Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 13. Is this, is this making sense to you? Am I offending you? Am I offending you? Okay, good. Nobody's responding. Am I offending you? <laughs> All right, look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 13. Are we there? We're good, right? All right, cool. So it says, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. So that means there must be a definite person who is over you in the Lord. In that sense, you are, what, what are you going to do to them? Let's read it together in verse 13. Want to ready to go? We're not reading, we're not reading it. Anyway. Want to ready to go? Seem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among you. So, there are people who are over you in the local church. So, imagine, how many of you have read 1 Corinthians 5, and you remember the guy who, who in the church of Corinth was sleeping with his father's wife. How many of you remember that story? Now, imagine that guy was a solitary brother. How would he have been helped? Imagine that guy was somebody who was not committed to the local church. How would he have been helped? But you know, they helped him. Paul still talked about him in 2 Corinthians and made us to understand that they brought him back to church. You know, he told him in 1 Corinthians 5, I said, deliver him to such a one, to deliver him to Satan. But later in 2 Corinthians 5, in 2 Corinthians, not 5 now, but in 2 Corinthians, he told them that that brother must come back. So, but do you know that that brother has been helped from that problem? So, once we find a Christian who is going through so many weaknesses, so many issues, is because he's proud, not opening up in the local church. There is nobody over him who is accountable for his life, and so he feels the need to still do what he wants to do. That's why you find Christians, they feel free drinking, they feel free smoking, they feel free committing a lot of, uh, a lot of atrocities. Why? There is nobody over them in the Lord. If there is somebody to put them in check, to make them know, oh, brother, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is, uh, and the person can adjust. The person will live rightly. Hallelujah. The person will be better. Or don't you want to be better? You want to. So, and that help cannot be done on Facebook. How many of you know that? That help cannot be done on Facebook. That help cannot be done on TikTok. That help cannot be done on Instagram. The help must be done in a local church. So, Paul and the apostles how to call them in order. And that is only possible within a local church. And let me tell you something I found out from my observation. That those men who are solitary, those men who don't go to church, they are Christians, they are the churchless Christians now, they are unruly men. They are very unruly. They're just, they just want to refuse accountability. They are not av available to serve others, you know. Just like our sister here came to give us water. You know, that's a service. She came to give me water. That's a service. That's a good, that's a good attitude. You know, that's an ability that we can develop in a local church. Everybody's serving. You know, bro, bro was arranging the chairs, you know. Available to serve. But you know, some people, they just want to be proud. They just want to see that everything's set for them. I don't care. They're even frowning at the preacher. What is this saying? That's a pride attitude. That's a prideful attitude. 
Just what's this? Uh, what does he know? Look at his beards. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so they are eager, and most of them, what what they are doing is that they are they they are very eager to teach. They want to teach others. They want to start their own church. They want to start. You know, you must learn to ask pastors questions. Where did you come from? Who trained you? Who can account and say? Who can attest to you and say you are a, you are a preacher? Who, where can you, can your record be well set of and well properly documented as a, this person is a good person? But you know, those unruly people wants to start their own WhatsApp group, wants to start their own Facebook post. You just see them, it's a long read. Brethren, it's a long read. So read with caution. Read with your scriptures. And they, don't, they are not committed to the local church. You see them, you see them, because now we now have internet, and internet is making people emergency pastors. So they, once you can have a phone and a device, just open your Instagram on your live video. Hallelujah. Welcome, brethren. Welcome, world. Come in, come in, come in online. Come in online. Abraham, I see you. Brokoridi, I see you. <laughs> Son, I see you there. Uh, you know, you just, you just come in, come in. Brolemo, I see you too. You know, Hallelujah. Open your Bible. Let's do this. And everybody is jumping in. Everybody is jumping in. No. Where did he come from? Who trained him? Who taught him? What church, did, what church can we say he came from? Are you getting what I'm saying? So, they are eager to teach others. They want to form a control regulations and they don't want to be in control. They don't want anybody to watch over their lives. Look at 2 Peter 3 verse 16. 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 It says, and has also, I will wait for you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they are unlearned and unstable, rest as they do other scriptures unto their own destruction. Look at what it says. So they want to just destroy you. They just bring up scripture, excavate things, make things so confusing to you. They make it look like it's one deep rema, you know, a deep revelation from God. No. So, and this, those kind of attitudes can only be checked in a local church. You see some people, they want to amass disciples for themselves. They want to, they're in a local church, they want to amass disciples. They have a disloyal attitude, an unruly attitude, unfaithful attitude towards, they just want the, their disciples alone. That's a very bad attitude and that can only be corrected in a local church. So such men can destroy the life of others if they are not brought into, into scrutiny. So men have to have that proper oversight. As I'm standing here, I have an oversight over me. I'm responsible. Somebody is responsible for my life. I have a pastor who is responsible for my life, who is responsible for my ministry. Yes, I have my ministry, but I'm submitted to somebody who keeps me in check. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you, have, you need those things as a, as a, as a preacher. Look at 1 Timothy 1 verse 9. 1 Timothy 1 verse 9. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So we said the letter to the churchless Christian, right? How many of you are agreeing that the title matter? Right? Yeah, good, good, good. 
First Timothy one verse nine. First Timothy one verse nine. Knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless, disobedient, and for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy, profane, murderers, or fathers, and manslayers. So he says, look at what look at what he's saying. So the mm, so the shipwreck believers. We can see another one in a. Look at it in verse 19, first, first Timothy 1 verse 19. It says, Holding faith and of a good conscience, we some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Look at what Timothy did. Look at what Paul did to Timothy here. In verse 20, he mentioned their names. Of whom Emmanuel and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That is, they were speaking perverse things in the church. He mentioned that, that beware of this kind of people. Don't let these people corrupt the message we are preaching to people. Are you seeing that? So a local church keeps people in check. It makes things better. So only the local church pastors can do this. And it is orderly and it's proper. So personally, I'm very weary of people who put out doctrinal materials, who talk about doctrine, Maybe they just start a YouTube channel and all they are discussing is Christian things. And you know, those little shorts, four minutes video is why some people are atheists today. And they don't have a local church. I'm very wary of things like that. Some people, the reason why they are atheists today is because they watch a four minutes video. They just watch God is not true. That's all. And they run with it. But do you know, if people are properly guided properly taught in the local church, those kind of videos will not affect anyone. I remember I watched a, a video on Facebook. There was a guy, he, he called himself a Christian, and a Muslim picked up a Bible and confused him with the Bible. And the guy said, I don't think I believe anymore. But imagine he has his life as a Christian. He, imagine he is not a churchless Christian. Those kind of people would be Will, come, will at least come back and ask questions from their church, at least from their pastor, right? They will at least come back. So I'm, I'm actually very wary of people who are in the local church and they are not accountable, they don't, they don't have people they are submitted to and they are talking about doctrinal materials. These are things to be wary about. Be wary about people like that. So most men, Look at another one in Acts 20, verse 29 to 30. I want to start to round up now so that we will just... Have you been blessed? Have you been, ble have you been blessed? I want to start rounding up gradually so that we can, we can start going. Look at in Acts 20, verse 29. Acts 20, verse 29 to 30. So, it says, For I know this... That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, and they and also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples after they said that is they will corrupt the message. They aren't after the welfare of the flock, they are just after how they want to, you know, a lot of people start churches this way to enrich their pockets. Right? They start the churches this way just so that they can have a lot of members and grow and have money, you know, and do a lot of things. Those, uh, those th the reason why believers get 
um, engulfed with those kind of people is because they have not been taught what the local church is all about. Are you getting what I'm saying? They've not been taught. They've not been taught. Because why would a believer leave a local church? Many other times it's for selfish purpose. They just want to be their own man. They don't want to be submitted. They don't want to be accountable over something. They want to breed their own crowd and things like that. But you know what? You and I must honor what God honors. Tell your neighbor, say, we must honor what God honors. So if he honors, the, if he honors, if God honors the local church, if God honors the local church and his imperfections, the leaders, the members, we must also honor it. Are you getting what I'm saying? We must place an eye value to the local church. Tell your neighbor, say, we must place an eye value to the local church. So we must. Personally, I am grateful for the local church. I am. There is virtually no department in the local church I have not served in. Serving. I've served as a sanitation department where I clean the church. I've served as a choir. I've served as an usher. I've served as a protocol carrying Bibles for preachers. I've served as, uh, which other one is there? I've served as engineers, technicals, fixing things, microphones. I've done all of those things. I was an associate pastor before starting our church in New York. I've served virtually everywhere. So I am very experienced to be a preacher. But it can, many preachers say this of themselves. But rather, many preachers want to just gather people for their own crowd, for their own selfish reasons, for their own pocket, you know, and those things are very bad. So you must be trained. You must be trained to effectively carry on the tax of holding a local church, of pastoring. You must be trained. There is a training that comes to it. It don't, it, 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 it's not something that comes via an emergency. Starting a church for me wasn't something I've been doing ministry almost all my life. It's not something that came for me via like an emergency. Okay, just do this. No. Are you getting what I'm saying? Experience also matters. We have you served in. Questions you can ask pastors. Where, where, where were you? Who can attest to you? Who can attest that you are a Christian? Who can attest that you are born again? Who can attest that you were serious as a Christian? Or did you just show up from nowhere and say you got born again from your mother's womb? Are you getting what I'm saying? Who can attest for that? Because in 1 Timothy verse 6, 3 verse 6, it says, a bishop must not be a novice. You know what a novice means? A learner. A bishop must not be a novice. An untrained fellow. He mustn't be an untrained fellow. He must be skillful. He says he must be apt to teach. He must be skillful. So you can't use, or else they're just going to use it like guinea pigs. Use it for test and try and all of those things. So one of the questions to ask your teacher or is who, are, who is teaching you? Who is your pastor? Where did you serve under? Where are you serving? Are you still under training? Personally, I'm still learning. I'm still under training. I still go for meetings, try to get better as a preacher. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because I can't do it alone. We need the company of people. I am grateful for the local church. I'm grateful for all of you that is here. I'm grateful for what God is doing with us. Are you getting what I'm saying? We are grateful. And we must not be solitary. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
we must not be that churchless Christian. Tell your neighbor, say, you must not be that, be that churchless Christian. So, to the solitary Christian who seems to ask, what next? Oh, what next? What do I do? Tell them, gather with people. So, when you preach the gospel, when you get people saved, don't just tell people, all right, bye-bye. We'll see you never. No. Get them into the local church. That is how they are going to grow. If Saul of Tarsus was also engaged in the local church upon salvation, we need to be. And how would they do it? They need to be accountable. They need to submit themselves there. They need to serve. They need to fellowship. They need to learn and grow. Otherwise, you and I will be living in disobedience. So, to the churchless Christian, I will say, stop doing social media Christianity. Stop streaming services online. Are you getting what I'm saying? Stop um, those WhatsApp, all those things. Stop all those Instagram live videos. No. Get yourself in a company of people. Surround yourself in that company of people who will help you get better, right? Who will help you grow, right? Who will make sure that you are accountable, right? Who will make sure that you are growing and they present you perfect before the Lord, right? And submit yourself there. So this is the reason why a believer must be in a local church. So, and Jesus loves the gathering of believers, and so must you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus loves the gathering of believers, so must you. So never, I'll say this as I round up, never speak down on churches. Churches are made of imperfect men. Are you getting what I'm saying? I know some of you have been church ought. I know you have friends who are church ought who tell you this is that. Never speak down on the local church. That is where God has put his honor. God, even Jesus, I showed you in the scriptures just not too long ago. I showed you, I showed, I showed you that when Jesus even rose from the dead, he appeared with a company of people, not to individuals. There was no solitary. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you will see letter to churches. So that means no believer can function effectively without a local church. You cannot grow up spiritually without a church. So the reason you are still struggling with your Christian work, the reason why you are still rising and falling, is because you have not given and submitting, submitted yourself to a local church. So submit yourself, right? Instead of streaming service every Sunday, though you know your church is far away and you are streaming, Get yourself in a physical place where you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? Get yourself in a physical place where you are. When you get back home, you can continue there, right? Right? So get yourself there. Be accountable to a company of people who will watch you, who will account over your soul, who will make sure that you are still growing, who will make sure you are praying, right? Who will make sure that you are preaching the gospel, who will make sure you are reaching out to people. Get yourself in that company and submit yourself there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe we should just pray for ourselves this evening. Let's, let's just pray for ourselves. That's, let's just tell ourselves as touching what we learned this evening. Hold somebody stand beside you. Let's just, let's just pray. Let's be seated. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Lift your voice.